Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey friends, this is Andy. Do you know Engageo? They're leading the revolution in account-based sales and account-based marketing. Engageo enables companies like yours to orchestrate human connections at scale and build hyper-growth sales engines. Let's meet Joe Chernoff. I'm Joe Chernoff, the VP of Marketing for Insight Squared. Our very first purchase when we shifted models was Engageo. Engageo very quickly became the centerpiece of our account-based marketing strategy, both the technology as well as the content they provide. Engageo's platform lets you engage the right account at the right time so you can close more deals faster. So if you're interested in joining leaders like Insight Squared, in the account-based everything revolution, then be sure to visit engageo.com forward slash accelerate and download your copy of their new book, The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development. And then come back and listen to the rest of this exciting episode of Accelerate. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I am so excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me on the show for, I think, the third time is Mike Weinberg. He's the author of two great books, New Sales Simplified and Sales Management Simplified. And uh, you can find him at newsalescoach.com online. Mike, how are you? Great, Andy. This is third time's a charm. Third Maybe time. I'll get it right, I'll get it right this time. <laughs> well, I don't know. We, we had lots of people listen to it the previous time, so I'm sure we will again. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. So for those who maybe missed the first one of the two first episodes and maybe by chance are in sales and they haven't heard of you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I like sales. In fact, I love sales. And I spend most of my time uh, helping salespeople and sales teams acquire more new business. So uh, that's really the focus of what I do. I, I, and I do it in two ways. I, I have a, my first book, as you talked about, New Sales Simplified is really focused on uh, old school, practical, powerful, simple ways to uh, improve at developing new business, bringing on new clients and new logos. And then the other area focuses sales leadership and sales management. Because I learned the hard way that you can train salespeople to your blue in the face, but if the culture's wrong and talent talent is managed poorly and the compensation plan's goofy and there's an anti-sales culture, all that sales coaching and training is meaningless. So those are the two areas I focus. I love what I'm doing and I'm thankful for the chance uh, to talk to you again and and visit with your audience. So thanks, Andy. Oh, again, my pleasure. So 
let's sort of get right into it. So in your mind, what is the single biggest challenge facing sales professionals today? Single biggest challenge. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the prospecting answer because that's that's common. I, I think because I think everyone would agree that one of the biggest challenges is filling the top of the funnel mm-hmm. and, and getting new opportunities created. But I'm gonna jump past that one, and I'm gonna talk about getting commoditized. Um, I don't think I have a client today of all the companies I've worked with in the last couple of years that's not dealing with salespeople getting relegated to vendor status. Um, not coming across as value creators and dealing with uh, uh, buyers and and large companies' attempts to commoditize them and their solution. I think that is one of the biggest challenges, maybe the biggest challenge uh, in sales today. And I mean, it's certainly understandable. Gosh, we I talk about that in my books and and other guests I talk about. So what's mm-hmm. what's the solution? Well, there's a lot of solutions. I think one is recognizing that it's happening, uh, you know, and it's not always the salesperson's fault. There's the system, I would say, is set up to commoditize us. I've got some very highly differentiated clients um, serving premium ends of the market. And even in those cases where they're proven brands and, and renowned experts uh, with huge ROI for what they provide, um, the buyers are still trying to commoditize them and, and you know negotiate fees and rates and, and all kinds of things. So the the, the the professional procurement world and the system, I would say, is set up to commoditize us, and that's an issue. But I'm seeing salespeople um, do a lot of things that shoot their own sales efforts in the foot. They get them downgraded, you know what I'm saying, in the in the buyer's mind. So so the fix is one, attitudinal, making sure that that salespeople are viewing themselves as consultants and professional problem solvers and value creators, um, not just vendors and price quoters. And you can see the difference between top producers who, who walk into a situation and, and see themselves as a consultant mm-hmm. and see the, see the prospect as needing help versus the average guy who walks in and, and sees himself as there to gather info. Um, it's kind of like they're the faux consultant. They still ask a bunch of questions, but they're not really trying to understand the the customer situation, how they can help. They're trying to gather enough info so they can do a proposal. So they see themselves as, you know, product speckers and, and price quoters. And it starts with that. And it goes all the way through when we tell our story, are we, are we articulating value? And are we talking about the real issues that we address for our, our customers or are we leading with our product? And when you lead with your product and your sales story is all about you and your company and how great you are, there's no way you can come across as a consultant. You know, when, when you when when you make your solution or your product the star of the sales call and really the centerpiece, I feel like you're begging, you're begging the prospect to take your feature set and your price and put it on a spreadsheet against everybody else's features and price and say, hey, commoditize me. I'm bringing no value in the way I'm selling. My co- company's bringing no value. It's all about the product. So there's there's a lot of ways, and I'll just throw one more in there that, sure. that we got to fix. Um, and this is going to sound really weird, and it's probably somewhat contrarian. There's a lot of really nice, really relational salespeople that when the customer asks them for something, they think they're going to score points by being – and this is going to be fun, especially because of the world you come from, Mr. Zero Time Selling. But they think they're <laughs> going to score points by being the most responsive and the most obedient and doing exactly what the customer says. And while I am with you, that responsiveness and and – you know, Mach 1 response is is incredibly important. It doesn't mean, though, if the customer asks you to do something stupid or premature that you should do it. 
it's like when you or I get it. I mean, how often do you get the phone call or the email from someone we don't know who was on your website or they read, they read, you know, say they read amp up your sales and they loved what you were talking about in there. And, and they, and they send you an email through your site and say, Hey, Andy, I need your pricing for a, a two day event and, and send me some, some specs on, on what you speak on. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the moment that we respond to that, that email with where you, if you actually send back a price and some specs and a menu of what you could speak on, I think we're getting commoditized yeah. and because we, we charge more than what other people charge because we're better. They're, they're taking that other, you know, price quote and comparing it to yours. And because you didn't add any value, all you did was provide a price and almost did a proposal. Well, salespeople do the same thing. The customer says, Hey, come and do a presentation or let me see your demo or let's have the dog and pony show or, Hey, I really like what you're saying. Can you quote that for me? And then we run home and do the proposal or come and puke all over them with that thing. And then, but we haven't done discovery. We don't really know their issues. We haven't asked enough questions. So we come across as a vendor, as a pitch man. There's no way they're viewing you as a consultant who's bringing premium if all you're doing is throwing out a price or you're presenting before it's time. So that's just some of the ways we can fix this issue where we're getting just downgraded in the mind of the buyer. Well, I mean, you talk about the problem, but really, what's the fix, right? Because part of part of what the issue is is that the on the buy side of the equation, they become so accustomed and acclimated to the fact that salespeople just are <laughs> speckers and quoters yeah. that that that's really what they expect. So they don't really ask for anything else. And yeah, so, well, and so, to your point is is if you don't have the thought in your mind about, geez, I <laughs> that's fine. I'm glad they're interested, but I really need to dig into this first. I need to ask them some really great questions first. If you don't have that mindset, then yeah, you're just playing into their hands, and then it becomes a sort of, I call it, you know, vicious sales cycle. It's sort of self-reinforcing. Right. So, so I'm 100% with you. So what it takes is, A, some guts, and B, some ownership of your sales process where you have the guts and the, and the sales acumen to look back at the customer and say, you know what? I hear you. I understand why you like that now. Let me share with you what we found works really well. How about so I can get you the best possible presentation that would be the most relevant or so that we do a proposal that's tailored to exactly what you're looking for. Let's spend some time together because I need to understand more about your situation. And frankly, I, not just with you, but there's some probably some others in your organization. It will be helpful if I heard from them and their angle and, and what, you know, as, as stakeholders, what matters to them so that we can really come back and give you uh, some idea of what would be most relevant and impactful for helping you. Like, so it's, it's having the guts to say, just because the customer asks you to come in and pitch or present or propose to kind of, to kind of stall and, 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 and slow, you know, I think, uh, I think Mahan Khalsa said this in, in let's get, let's get real or let's not play that a lot of times we need to slow down, uh, the sales process to speed up the sale. And it's, it's taking control and having the guts that it's okay not to do everything the customer asks you to do. Oh, I think absolutely. Yeah, and, it, and to me, that's not contrary to what I was talking about in terms of responsiveness. Because you yeah. know, part of the same thing in the same book is, and the second book is, you've got to ask the right questions. Mm. You know, you can't be afraid to push back. I mean, I, you know, I had a boss, and I unfortunately, I, the customer sort of said the same thing to me, which was once is, don't you ever say yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And and that's that's really right. So what you're in position to be is it's not you know, customers really need to have you help them understand what they really 
need. They think they know, but they just have sort of a, a certain level of understanding. And your job is to make it take that to a deeper level of understanding. Well, and the real and the real buyers who care and are buying value appreciate when you push back and you try to learn more so you can give them the best solution for them, not just what they're asking for. And I have this in my business, I'm sure you have it in yours, where someone asks me, and they've already decided, and this reminds me of the guy that, that I uh, pay to consult me on, on the consulting business, but his, one of his lines is, don't let your client tell you how to consult. And you know that comes from when, the, when you get this client who asks you, hey, what's your price for a two-day sales leadership retreat? And if we were just to give that price, I mean, you're nothing but a price quarter and a product pusher. If you don't come back and go, hey, let's back, back up a little bit. Why are you even asking for a two-day retreat? What's going on? What if we can solve this with a one-hour phone call? Or maybe it's going to take three months of coaching, which would still cost less than possibly what I'm going to charge you for a two-day retreat. Let's figure out what's going on here so that I can, I can bring you value. But if I don't stop to understand and I just throw the price out, well, I'm, I am just a vendor at that point. I'm not bringing any consultative value. And I, I think, I think there's, a, um, there's a fear today because there's a lack of mentoring. And you and I have, I think, talked about this mm-hmm, in the past mm-hmm. where who's, who's teaching the salespeople how to sell? I had mentors. When I was a young pup, bosses and executives and sales managers took me on sales calls with them, and they came on my sales calls. And they modeled good behavior, and they would help me prep before, and then they would debrief after sales calls. So you had other people watching you today. We have all these sales managers that are buried up to their eyeballs with 75,000 tasks and 200 emails a day and all the crap we, we probably talked about in our sales management. And that you talk about in your book, yeah. right? Yeah. So that, that no one's mentoring them. So it, it's not surprising that that's happening as salespeople are out in the field looking like amateurs because there's no senior people. Let's show them how to do it. It's brutal. Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, the the um, the sales environment, if you will, has, has sort of changed over the last several decades, right? I mean, it used to be companies were much more paternalistic and and brought new people on, and they went through in-depth training programs and so on, and, and now, yeah, you see less of that. Yeah, and I don't know if some of it's in the name of being lean, and some of it is, I think there's senior executives just hoping that it's getting done you know, by osmosis. But when you bury a sales manager and you you ask them to do nine, nine other things that have nothing to do with leading the team or mentoring their people or or coaching or holding them accountable, all that, uh, you know, they're not going to get it done. So we have, I think part of what's happened today is by, and I had a client say this to me that the professional buyer on the customer side is learning and growing faster than the seller is. So the seller is much less of a pro than they used to be. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, the, how many times have we had this conversation where in the old days, they needed to see you. The buyer needed you for info. That's the last thing they need you for today. They got more info. They're drowning in info. So they don't, no one's need to see a sales guy. No one has extra time on their hands. You know, they don't want your donut that badly. So if you can't run a professional meeting and bring value, then you're of no use. And that's what's scary to me today. Well, that, that, you know, that is the huge sit- disconnect. That is the huge disconnect, right? I mean, when you hear people and professionals in the research firms say that there's going to be this huge uh, decrease in the number of professional salespeople out there over the next five years, yeah, the reason in part is that they haven't kept up with the buyers and the buyers can find what they're getting from the, the unprepared sales rep online. 
so they don't yeah. need them anymore. So can I ask you a question on that topic? I know sure. we always do this to each other, but sure. Do you believe that stat when you when you hear no? Okay, I don't believe it either. But I, you know, there. I, I think they're making. A, it's a good wake up call. Well, I think it's a good wake up call. I think if it happens, and I think it is going to happen to a lot of people. I mean, it could be a, the equivalent number lose their jobs. You know, twenty percent of business to business salespeople may lose their job. They'll be replaced by other people because, for reasons I'll get to in a second. But if it happens, it's because they let it happen to themselves. And that's really the key thing. You know, if you're in a position where you're you know, take a look at yourself and, and realistically or get your managers to you know, really pragmatically and realistically assess you and your capabilities and your knowledge and your skills, you know, you're just going to, if you're not keeping up, if you're not improving, if you're not becoming the expert, the consultant, if you're not somebody that the customer would almost be willing to, to pay to spend time with, right, because of the value you bring, then, yeah, you stand at risk of being replaced, yeah, so I have a message for your audience, you know, especially and if you know, if obviously the people listening to this are ones who are investing in themselves, and that's really the key. That's how you get ahead. I mean, look at all the info you are putting out there today. A lot of it for free. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't, I don't know what episode number this is, but we're it's really high because every I'm, I'm tweeting it's, out it's, all these great podcasts. It's going to be three hundred and something by the time this goes out. Yes. Okay, so you're a madman. Like you, my message to your audience is: I mean, if you just listen to what Andy's putting out here, uh, both his opinions and his editorial comments, and these guests he has on, and then you go link to some of these guests. If you like a particular guest, go link to their you know, their content on their own site or spend mm-hmm. 10 bucks and, and buy a book or for goodness sakes, if you haven't grabbed, sorry, Ant, uh, Andy, for the shameless plug, but if you haven't grabbed Amp Up Your Sales by your host, Andy Paul, one of the best written and best sales books. And that's why I, I still love the review I put out there for you on Amazon. I love your book. You know, people, if what, what would happen if someone spent 10 bucks to buy a book and actually, you know, carve out 15 minutes a day to read it? Like what would happen to sales acumen across the board? Well, if to, people are listening to your podcast and reading those kind of content, right? And to that point, you know, I I have some trial programs out with customers this year where we're doing exactly that. Where we put together a, a reading list for them, twelve books, and their sales team is taking one you know one book per month, and you know we we read your one of your books, New Sales Simplified, and um. Yeah, you know, they're what they're doing is they're giving the sales team fifteen minutes during the sales day every so, day to oh read. Oh my gosh, so that, that is that, so smart. That's that's what they had to commit to. So, and I mean, like, Andy, I I don't know. I, this is the craziest thing happens. I I charge a few thousand dollars to do like a, a brief webinar for a client, you know, a mm-hmm. company I don't know. And I I had a situation literally with an executive not that long ago where they hadn't read my book yet. And, and I gave him the number for the, the fee I was going to charge him for this particular webinar to go over highlights in the book. And I said, you realize, I think it was a sales team of like 15 people. I said, you could spend 150 bucks, put this book in every person's hands. You don't even need this webinar. Right. I was trying to talk him out of it. And he's like, well, they won't read it. And, you know, I got to spoon feed them. And I'm thinking, well, this webinar is not going to help them either because they're not going to implement what we're talking about. Like, you know, 10 bucks. Ten everything I know about hunting for sales is in a ten dollar book. Right. Like if you if you can't, it's I don't know what to say to people. Well, I mean, so, so you're going to pay me you're going to pay me thousands of dollars to read you my book, but you won't spend ten dollars to read it yourself. That's so, really what it comes down to. Yeah. So these clients that I'm working with on this what I call this trial program this year is they set aside fifteen minutes a day and they bought 
notebooks for mm. all their, their reps where they take notes. So they read 15, they write notes for five. And then, um, you know, every week they send me the notes that they've written. And how do they get together and discuss it? They, they get together and discuss it every week. They oh, go that's through great. And their sales yeah. meeting. And then once a quarter, I come in or virtually come in mm-hmm. and we discuss the books that they had read the previous quarter. Yeah, that's a sales team whose whose skills and confidence are going to go through the roof. Just think about it. Just reading these yeah. books. Because they didn't really have the money to do conventional mm-hmm. sales training. And if that's the case, there's still no excuse for not improving the skills yeah. of your team. And here's a simple way to do it. And it cost them not much at all. So there's, oh, lots, no. of, there's lots of ways to accomplish it, is, is your point. And it's just, yeah, invest in yourselves, invest in your people, and don't be afraid to spend a little of your time. Yeah, I know you want people to make 100 calls today. Carve out 15, 20 minutes, let them read a book every day. And after a year, they're going to be so much smarter than they were before. Oh, Andy, that's so good. You know, you and I were talking in the in the pre-show. Uh, we were bantering, and you're about to take a trip with our mutual friend, Anthony mm-hmm. Anarino. And it's funny, I point people to your podcast now because it's so I – mean, you're almost ubiquitous with the, the number of episodes and these incredible guests that you have. But I say, for, for free, you can go listen to Andy's podcast. And Anthony has written a blog post every day for the last six years. And I think he's got maybe the biggest mind in sales there is today. I mean, for free, every day, you go listen to a podcast – while you're driving, walking, working out something, and go go read what Anthony's writing. Take you five minutes. You're going to be so far ahead of the game, but it takes a little bit of discipline, and you have to want it. You know, it's not going to happen by itself. You got to carve out that little bit of time and go make it happen. Just like prospecting. Yeah, well, you know, I think pro- I think the lesson for salespeople though is that it, it doesn't really matter what your company does to a certain degree, right? I mean, if your manager is too busy, they're distracted. You can say, yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm not making my numbers. But the fact is, ultimately, it's down to you. So you can, I know lots of people that compensate for poor sales managers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. It's a whole other topic. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's your career, your life. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're doing it in part because you're not getting, you know, great training or, you know, good advice or guidance from your, your sales manager, great. At least you're doing that and investing that time. Yeah, and so, I'll say good for you. you. I'll say good for you. That's what top people do. They invest in other. And you know, I just, I just was joking with someone the other day. I, I took twenty five hundred bucks out of my own pocket last week to buy a, a program on productivity from one of the gurus that I follow online. And I'm going to go to his two day workshop. And I bought the premium package. I didn't just want the, mm-hmm. the videos and the workbook. I wanted to go meet with him for a couple of days. And and I, I love spending money on myself because I feel like it's my responsibility to keep my skills sharp and keep learning. And I feel like I can't, I, you know, in good conscience, if I'm going to ask individual sellers to invest in, in my stuff, I should be spending money listening to what other experts are doing, too. So, I mean, and, and you know, it's the top people who invest in themselves and take responsibility for their personal development, period, end of story. Yeah. Well, I mean, for people listening, I've, I've got a coach. I, I pay every month for mm-hmm. a coach and join a mastermind group. So, it's, it's uh, you have to do it. I mean, you need to get other perspectives other than just your own. Uh, on what you can do to succeed. All right, so if we were to boil all this down, this first part of this conversation, to you know, one piece of advice you know, that you'd give to a sales professional, some one behavior they could master that would make a difference, what would it be? Mm. I'm going to combine an attitude and a behavior. Okay, go ahead. The attitude is that your prospect really is in a less than optimal situation. And I will tell you that from studies I've done, top producers have this view. 
they not only see themselves as the consultant and the expert, but they view the customer or the prospect is in a position where they need help or they're stuck or what they're dealing with is suboptimal. And I will tell you, if that's your attitude and your motivation for making sales calls and for whatever methodology you're going to use, and I won't, I won't bash social selling just yet in this podcast. I'll wait a few more minutes. <laughs> but whatever, whatever methodology you're using to get in front of people, if, you're, if your motivation is pure and you're there, as my dad taught me a long, long time ago, if your motivation is to help the customer win, you're going to win. So if your attitude says, they need my help, I can help them. There's nothing manipulative. There's just no integrity issue there. They're stuck. They, I can help them do better, either solve this problem or remove this pain or in, improve this result and achieve this outcome. If that's my motivation, I should be incredibly motivated to do everything possible to get in front of them and have what you and I would call that discovery meeting. So my encouragement from a behavior, if that's the attitude, then what should follow is intense commitment to the behavior of working the top of the sales funnel where you are being irresponsible and remiss and you don't have your prospect's best interest at heart. If you don't do everything possible to get their attention, show them how you can help them with their issues and achieve a better outcome. So you work hard on your messaging and you use all means necessary from social through traditional picking up the telephone and everything in between to, do, to pursue them hard because you can help them and improve their life and their business. And if that's your attitude and then you adopt that into the behavior, there's no, nothing's going to stop you. How's that? I like it. I made it up just now. So, so I, it well, was, perfect. I wrote it down. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going into my next book. So, um, I hope so. so you want to bash social? Not really. Okay. Uh, I don't want to bash social, but I, I, I will tell you that I'm taking some satisfaction in where we stand. And you have some really good social experts, you know, that are guests mm -hmm. on your show. Right. I, I only want to bash the charlatans, that is, as a handful of us like to call them, who preach that it's social only or inbound only. And they, they're quick to tell you it's their way. And the old stuff doesn't work anymore. It's fruitless. It's dead. The phone's a waste. Don't pursue someone till they're they're ready and they're coming to you. And that's that's a fool's game. And I and I think what's happened over the last few years is the reason that that people like me who are preaching all methods of prospecting, especially using the telephone, to go reach out and initiate contact with people that are not yet pursuing you as a warm lead so you get to them before they're shopping and i could go on and on about that topic i i think the reality is that enough damage has been done by by lazy salespeople and fooled sales managers listening to the charlatans preaching that prospecting doesn't work that the pendulum has swung back and people are much more open to picking up the telephone and incorporating good old-fashioned traditional methods into the top of the funnel behaviors. Is that, is that a, do you think that's a fair assessment of where we've come in the last couple of years that we've kind of swung back? Well, I think, to yeah, more? to some degree, absolutely. Because I think if you look at what's happening in terms of the whole, you know, one of the fastest growing areas of our economy in the tech businesses is software as a service. And you look at the primary sales model being used, the predictable revenue sales model and the software sure. as a service segment, it's all on proactive outreach, you know, either phone yeah. or email or a combination of phone and email. So, yeah, if anything, more and more 
salespeople are using the phone as a primary way, at least sales development reps, business development reps, to reach out to prospects. So is anyone holding these charlatans accountable for the last five years that we're yapping their mouths and telling everybody that well, the phone not, was dead? You know what I'm well, saying? Like, there still are people that believe that. So it's not like uh, everybody's gone away. But I think to your point is is there's got to be a balance, right, and a mix of what yeah. you use. And, and you're I'm so mature. You always have such a mature response to my <laughs> to my hysteria. I come at it with this like former well, New Yorker. I've got my own. I've got my own my own things. I mean, the thing is, you know, sort of in the same vein as people that promise that this solution is is all you know, it's the end all be all. Is you know, again, we're having this incredible influx uh, and really sort of explosion. The number of companies coming out with sales technologies, right? Sales mm-hmm. automation technology, so on and so forth. And you're starting to see, you know, it always really irks me when I see them advertising, yeah, it's a four, we guarantee, you know, 400% improvement in close rates or, you know, 300%. It's like, yeah, why are you saying that? I mean, A, you're not, a, you're not, you're not helping yourself at all when you do that. And you're just going to get the people coming to you that want the quick fix. And, you know, they don't really have, if they want the quick fix, they don't have the processes in place to support your solution anyway. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, it's, 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 there's a lot of hyperbole. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of hysteria. All I know is I'm with you on the, I don't know how many thousands of companies have been launched in the sales enablement space. You know, today, this year, the word's enablement, you know, last year was something else. Next year, Mm. it'll be something else. Uh, I mean, but it is, you you can sense the trends as we watch what's happening. But if I get, I mean, I don't know how you feel. If I get one more cold email from someone who's fishing on sales consultants' websites asking if they can do a guest post on my site, <laughs> or would I be willing to look at, look at and promote their perfect sales tool, I'm going to kill somebody. I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's I, multiple I times a day. You're getting the same yes, ones. Because yes, yes. we're on the same list. We're on the same list, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, I mean, I can't believe that t- that method is working for anybody. But the proliferation of, of toys and tools, I mean, it's it's a frightening market right now. Uh, well, I think to, that's... Trying to get attention. Well, yeah. And I think that's that's part of the issue, right, is is that we're having more and more of these tools. And, and, and yeah, so the cold email... Yeah, there's some people are writing some really good information about how to structure and write cold emails, like Heather Morgan, who's part mm-hmm. of a, a group Absolutely. that we belong to. She's yeah. been a guest on the show. But, you know, she's, you know, as for all her influence, it's still a relatively small fraction of the market she's hitting based on the emails that I get. And I mean, I got right. one. Just, I, she's I, got I, a lot. Heather, Heather, I, uh, it's funny, Heather Morgan interviewed me a couple years ago when she was working for someone else. And I'm like, this girl's got some good insights, and it's really fun to see the business that she's built now is this email guru of you know what how to how to use email effectively. And you're right, she has a, a lot of upside opportunity because if what we get every day in our inbox is an indication, uh, people could use Heather's help. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I got one today from a, a company selling a, a software solution that was, you know, tar- they wanted to you know, have a call to talk about my needs, and you know, it's a mid-market solution, so you know, it, it's yeah, just so me and yeah. it's just me and yeah. a couple of people, right? I'm not exactly mid-market, and so you know, they didn't do their research at all, right? And yet, this is a company that's selling a tool that's really going to help you more effective in your sales, and actually, they, those companies, almost, the sales enablement companies, almost seem to be the worst offenders, unfortunately. That's funny. I didn't really think about it that way, but you're right. <laughs> they, they don't they don't take their own medicine, and you would not want to behave the way they're behaving as a model. <laughs> no, not, yeah, it's really unfortunate. So yeah, we're sort of at that point where 
It's like, gosh, somebody's got to wake up on that. So, all right. Uh, didn't ask any of the questions I planned on asking, but uh, that always happens whenever we talk. My fault. I'm <laughs> it, sorry. It always happens. We'll just have to save it for the next time. All right. So here in the last segment of the show, I've got some standard questions to ask all my guests. And, and since you've been on before, I have to change these questions for you so that uh, you're not prepared. The so you're going you to with... make me look dumb again. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> you, you, did a, you did a great job the first time. So here's the first one. Another hypothetical scenario. You're you're a sales leader in a company, you're selling a B2B product to enterprises, and your CEO gives you your goals for the new next fiscal year. It's a 12% increase in sales, but he's not giving you any extra headcount or resources to make it happen. So what would what would the first 30 days of the new sales year look like in terms of you know what actions you'd be taking to hit your goal? Mm, that's a great question. I might even have a chance of answering that reasonably intelligently. Um, <laughs> thank you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, my better, pleasure. Better than what I feel like I was going to get asked. Twelve um, percent increase. I get no money and no headcount. High pressure. CEO says, "Do it." I think the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my people, and I'm going to spend more time on this with my best people. But I'm going to I'm going to ask all of my sales team to do this. I'm going to ask them to identify two very critical lists for me, and this comes back to my very first step of the new sales driver framework that I that I preach when it comes to developing new business. And I, I want a two-pronged list from everybody. I want a list of their three or four most growable current accounts where we have some percent of the business, but either there's cross-sell, upsell, or penetration opportunity, other divisions, whatever it is. I, I need their three or four best uh, cross-sell, upsell, uh, existing clients that we think are the most growable. And then I'm going to ask everyone to do double the work on coming up with their list of prospects that they beyond whatever leads they're going to get, beyond whatever strategy we've been following, that I'm going to ask above and beyond for a list of special prospects that they commit to proactively pursuing. And I, I want that list to look and smell a lot like our best uh, high value customers who are raving fans. So I, and I would, I would just, I would, I want to see on paper what the real potential is. Mm-hmm. That would be part one. And then part two is I'm going to look these people in the eye and I'm going to ask them what percent of their calendar are they going to block out and dedicate for nothing but pursuing the accounts that they've named there, both global customers and prospects. Because I'm convinced, and I've seen it in a lot of clients of mine, as much as I'm a sales nerd and I want to help them fix their story and run better sales calls and be more consultative and all the stuff we were talking about earlier, you know what I'm seeing a lot more of, Andy? The truth is the fast lift comes from when we have the right strategic accounts we're going to pursue and Mm -hmm. we put more of our calendar pursuing them. It's if we could. So in that vein, I want to make sure I've got both of those covered as quickly as possible. With, you know, if that's what I've been charged to do. Oh, I love it. Great answer. Yeah, because I mean, it, it, and I like it because I, I agree with it philosophically. But it's it's you know you said yeah we could go talk about all the skills and other things we really need to develop. But if we just do the basics right and we commit to the basics, then there's going to be a ripple effect through everything else we do. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. Great answer. Okay, so I've got some more rapid-fire questions for you. You can be one-word answers. You can elaborate if you wish. So the first one is, is it easier to teach a technical non-salesperson how to sell or to teach a salesperson how to sell a technical product with value? The latter. Easier to teach a salesperson technical. Okay. What's one 
fiction book that you'd recommend every salesperson read? Car and Driver magazine. <laughs> and why? My wife re- reads a fiction book every week, and I make fun of her. I'm like, honey, there are so much facts. We don't know why you're reading fiction. And she wants to kill me. And she gives me all the reasons that reading fiction is good for you, and you expand your brain. I am the worst guy to ask about a fiction book. Um, so I'm going to just give you my number one go-to right. car and driver magazine. I'll give you a recommendation off the air. Okay. Um, if you could change one thing about your business self, what would it be? <sighs> Just one. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> I would have a better understanding of how all the technical things work in the background and be better at letting go of those things so I would maximize more business. Okay. All right, last question for you. So what's your favorite quotation, you know, words of wisdom that you live by? Mm. And you can paraphrase if you can't remember exactly. But I have so many little quips. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use something that's really common. You probably don't hear from anybody. I'm gonna, it is what it is. I am so tired of people making excuses and, and playing victim. Mm-hmm. And, and talking about circumstances. And the reality is, as Anthony points out in, in his great new book, The Only Sales Guys You'll Ever Need, is this Only Sales Guys You'll Ever Need, that sales success is not situational. It's based on the seller. It's not the customer. It's not the market. It's not your territory. It's not your boss. It's you. Right. And I want it is what it is. So that's my way of looking back at everybody and going, stop the whining and the moaning and just go deal with it. We've all got a, a, a hand we've been dealt. Go play it. It is what it is. Stop whining. Go. Yeah. Saying if only doesn't help you. It is. No. That's a terrible way of looking at life. Right. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, sometimes I've said that to, <laughs> that to my wife and she's not real happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's good for your marriage. I'm just saying no, it's no. not a bad thing. I don't say it very often, but I mean, it, yeah. 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 It is what it is. Very interesting. Well, good. All right. Well, Mike. As always, a pleasure to have you on the show. Tell folks how they can connect with you. Andy, first of all, this is a joy. You ask me some of the most intriguing questions and maybe make me sound more foolish than anybody else, which is probably why I enjoy coming back because it's such a challenge. <laughs> um, so thank you. I, I love what you're doing here. My pleasure. Anytime you need, anytime you need yeah. to be made a fool, let me know. All right, I'm there. Hey, newsalescoach.com is the website. Newsalescoach.com. And I'm on Twitter at Mike underscore Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. Excellent. All right. Well, again, thanks again. And remember, friends, thank you for taking your time out of your day to listen to Accelerate. And remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is take a minute and subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. And that way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Mike Weinberg, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. 
With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.